Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Glory to God alone, if you're wondering what Soli Deo Gloria means. A little help from my daughter there to help us out with Soli Deo Gloria to get us started on the podcast. And we want to welcome you to this episode of the podcast, and I just want to get down to it today. I shared a Facebook post yesterday, and uh, it simply was a quote by a man named Stephen Lawson. Now, Stephen Lawson is a uh, a teacher, preacher that preaches at a lot of major conferences around the world, and uh, you can find him on YouTube, you can find him anywhere you search the name, you can find Stephen Lawson preaching, and one of the things that I heard Stephen Lawson say at the G3 conference in Atlanta, Georgia earlier this year was this. Uh, it, there was a discussion about worship, and he said something that stuck out to me very, very just wide open in my mind, and I agree with it, so I shared it on Facebook. It just says this, we drive 45 minutes for all sorts of things. We should have no problem driving 45 minutes to a biblical church. Now, there's a qualifier in there that should not be a qualifier these days, but unfortunately, in our day and age, when it comes to church, that the word biblical has to be a qualifier when it comes to church. What I mean by that is the church should not have to have a qualifier, meaning it shouldn't have to have that in front of it, because churches nowadays are out of control we see so many things going on we see so many things happening that are actually unbiblical as a matter of fact i just read an article this morning about a church in missouri i think it's first baptist church columbia missouri if i'm not mistaken um they are hosting an event with a transgender person teaching and leading and speaking at the church now I would say that that is not a biblical church if they're letting a transgender person speak at an event at their church. I would even wonder if it's a church at all. Matter of fact, one of the words that come to mind when I think of this is Ichabod. We see this in the book of Samuel, and there's a lot of, a lot of talk that that means the glory of God has departed. So I, I would even uh, dare say that that church is moving outside of orthodoxy and therefore may not even be considered a church anymore. Especially if you read about the churches that uh, Jesus writes letters to in the book of Revelation. So we have churches out there that are claiming to be churches that are not being biblical in things that they do, things that they teach. Uh, there's her heresy coming from the pulpit. So what do, what do I mean by biblical church? I mean a biblical church one that is sticking closely to the Bible. If it calls sin a sin, then the church is calling sin a sin. If uh, the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong, the church should be loving but firm in their stance that homosexuality is wrong, and they should not waver uh, to, for one side or the other. They should be steadfast and stand firm on the Word of God, meaning transgenders should not be able to teach in pulpits or even classrooms at a church. Um, there should not be concerts. Anymore. We're going to listen to a clip of Steve Lawson from the G3 conference here in just a few minutes about what has happened to the modern church. Now, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong with the church, but 
a lot of the times we don't find biblical churches in our area. Now, we may think that churches are biblical just because they have the word Baptist in them or Presbyterian or Methodist or uh, any other kind of denomination you can think of. You may think that they are biblical churches just by the label of their denomination. And I can tell you that there are churches all over your city, all over your town, that can claim to be a denomination. They can claim to be part of a denomination, I should say. They can claim to be a church, but at the end of the day, it's when you really get inside of these places and you start to uncover and unpack unpack the fact that they truly aren't as biblical or even biblical as they should be. Now, uh, we should go to church. If you're a believer, you should gather with the saints. Matter of fact, the Bible's clear that we should gather together. One of the biggest uh, passages of Scripture you can think of is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, which say this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not neglecting meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So some have been in the habit of not neglecting together, not gathering with the saints on the Lord's day. And I'm here to tell you that we should gather with the saints to be part of a church. And listen, this is another episode for another time, but to be part of the church, you should be a baptized believer in Christ, regenerate church membership, born-again believers being church members. We don't take church membership seriously anymore in America. And that is a problem because the church is built up of true believers in Jesus Christ. So if we are letting people that are not believers into our church, then we can't expect that church to be a church. We have to guard the front door and open the back door. What do I mean by that? We've got to let be careful who comes in and, and belongs to our churches. That is even biblical because regenerate church membership means that you have to be a baptized believer in Christ to be a member of the church universal, the Lord's church, the, everybody that's a believer is part of the universal church. And then we are broke up in the local bodies, and uh, there's part of the same universal church. But if we're going to have these local assemblies, these local um, assemblies of called-out believers, then we have to take church membership seriously. And if we don't take church membership seriously, there's a chance we're not going to take the Word of God in its entirety seriously either. So... We have to be baptized believers in Christ to be a part of the church. And I know i got some Presbyterians, brothers and sisters, that will disagree with that. But uh, this is just where I'm at as a Reformed Baptist, that uh, regenerate church membership is a baptized believer in Christ, a true baptized believer in Christ. And, and unfortunately, we have to make that qualifier as well, that you have to be a true baptized believer in Christ. Not just somebody that says they were, but a true regenerated person in Christ. So... We need to be biblical in our church membership, but we also need to be biblical in our approach to worship as we gather on the Lord's Day. And listen, worship is not 30 minutes before the preaching starts. Worship is not singing that we do. Singing is an aspect of worship, but worship encompasses a whole lifestyle, right? And we should be doing in our worship gatherings what the Bible tells us to do, how the Bible has prescribed us to worship. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude 
in your hearts. So we see there that we should be singing, we should be teaching, we should be correcting one another, we should have a, a gratitude, a heart full of gratitude as we gather together on the Lord's Day. But sadly, many churches have taken what the Bible has prescribed and moved outside of that. Now, again, I want to go back to my point. You may think because you go to the local Baptist church that they're biblical in all that they do. Here's the deal. Do they teach the whole counsel of God? And what I mean by that is when you really get into the whole counsel of God, you're getting the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And here's the thing. Is your pastor, is he teaching the whole counsel of God? Is he teaching it from his perspective or the Bible's perspective? And what I mean by that is, is he putting his uh, thoughts and his what he believes the Scripture is saying into the text that he preaches? Or is he preaching the hard things of the Bible and saying, listen, these are hard doctrines. These are hard things to understand, but this is what the Word of the Lord says. We find so many difficult doctrines in Scripture that we have to be willing and ready and able as pastors to be able to teach and preach the whole counsel of God for our people to hear the Word of God instead of my, as a pastor, instead of my thoughts and interpretations of what God has already said. Now, when we interpret the Bible, one of the biggest things that you need to hold on to is you need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You don't need to let your neighbor interpret Scripture. You don't need to let your thoughts and emotions interpret Scripture. And even your pastor, you need to hold your pastor in check. Is he preaching the true Word of God and letting Scripture interpret the Scripture, and then he has studied it diligently, and then he's presenting it to you on Sunday mornings? You should still then go back and test what he has preached with the Word of God as you study it for yourself. Sadly, we've got many, many preachers that are standing in pulpits. For instance, there's a there's a couple of large churches in my city, and I was listening to one of the guys, and listen, this is not a roast session. This is not a bash session. I believe this guy is a Christian. I believe he will be in, in heaven one day. Uh, but one thing that he did is he got to one of the tougher passages in the book of Acts when uh, I think it's uh, the one that says that as many as as many as were appointed believed. I think it's somewhere in Acts chapter 2, 37, 38. I could be off. Nope, I'm sorry. 12? I don't know. I should have done my homework on this, but uh, I'll look it up and I'll reference it in the notes. But as many as were appointed believed. Now that's a weighty text that we need to do business with. And this pastor just skimmed right over it and said, what I believe and what you believe about this verse is. And then he went on to say that both God is sovereign and essentially man is sovereign. So that is unbiblical to the root because God is sovereign over all. Man is wicked. Man is sinful. Man is no inherent good within him whatsoever other than Christ Jesus. And even then, we are not sovereign. God is is sovereign. So just in the small text like that, when the preacher tells you, you believe this, be careful because you might not believe what he believes just because he wants to stay out of the controversy. Because there are many doctrines in scripture uh, that will bring forth much controversy within the church. So be careful with what your pastor's preaching. And then there's another, uh, another common theme that I see amongst many megachurches, so to speak. Many, many large churches will shy away from the full counsel of God and preach just scratching the surface type stuff. When they get to Acts thirteen forty eight, that is my scripture that I just uh, wasn't prepared, that just started 
the one that as many were appointed to eternal life believed. That's Acts 13, 48. So when pastors get to this in these bigger churches, they're going to say things that are going to make people happy. Because if you start going further underneath the surface of biblical doctrine, you start to offend people. You start to make people upset because you start to challenge traditions. You start challenging the way they've been taught their whole life. There is a lot of things that begin to happen when you start scratching the surface and then getting deeper. So a lot of churches are just going to scratch the surface of the Bible and biblical doctrine, and they're not going to dig deep. Why? That, because they don't want the pushback. They don't want the drama that essentially goes along with preaching the full counsel of God. As a matter of fact, here's what's going to happen. Once you start teaching the whole counsel of God and you start getting deep with it, so what we do, and what I mean by getting deep with it, is you take the verses in Scripture, and you can go as deep as you need to, and you can pull it back out and be as shallow as you need to, and you can go as deep as you need to. For It, it varies for each church, but we have to go deep. We can't just preach the same things over and over and over and over to keep people in the pews. We have to eventually go deeper into the Bible and dig deep into biblical doctrine. And when you do that, this is what's going to happen. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active. If you haven't learned anything else today, know that the Word of God is living. It is not dead. It is not antiquated. It is not put on a shelf. It is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So once you start teaching these deep doctrines, these full counsel and the whole counsel of God, the Bible is going to pierce people's hearts. It's going to cut them open and show them who they are. It's going to challenge their thinking. It's going to challenge their worldview. It's going to challenge their belief system. And that's okay to do. That's what a biblical church does is it teaches and it pulls out all of these deep truths that the Scripture has to offer. And a church should be willing and ready to pull out all these deep truths. But sadly, churches scratch the surface. We have concerts. We have drama teams. We have... Uh, props on the stage. My goodness, church, we do not need props on the stage. We don't need them. We simply need the Word of God. And before I get ahead of myself, I want you to listen to this from Stephen Lawson concerning this. And uh, listen to what churches have done for the sake of bringing in numbers and filling the seats and filling the pews. We've changed some things. And we have to desperately put the call out to change them back. We have to see Christ church reformed because it is getting and has gotten to a point that is is tiresome. It's time for a change. In this particular sermon, Dr. Stephen Lawson is teaching on Revelation chapter 5 and the great worship service that's happening in heaven and, and John has been uh, called up and been able to see these things and then come back to the island of Patmos to write Revelation to give us this inner glimpse of the throne room of God. And this is what Stephen Lawson says. Listen to this. It is good for us to examine this worship scene in heaven because many today are looking in all the wrong places to influence their corporate worship. Many churches are looking horizontally rather than vertically. Many churches are looking around rather than looking up. They're looking around to the patterns of this world and adapting their worship so that it would mimic the world around. 
And in this new way of doing church, exposition has been replaced with entertainment. And preaching is being replaced with performances. Congregational singing is being replaced with concerts. Doctrine is being replaced with drama. And theology is being replaced with theatrics. And this is why we need to revisit this passage again if we are to understand what worship looks like and what are the distinctive hallmarks of worship in its purest form. So in this final session, I want to take us up to glory. I want to take us up to the end. Did you hear what Dr. Stephen Lawson said there? I want to go back through this list. And these are the things that churches have compromised on and taken away that we desperately need back in the churches for God to bless and for it to be a biblical church, that qualifier that should not be there. We have traded exposition for entertainment. In other words, what exposition means is that you're taking a passage of Scripture that you've studied, that you've seen and interpreted by other Scriptures, that you're taking what God meant when He wrote it and not what your ideas about it are. I mean, you're expounding on the text. That is expositional preaching. We have taken expositional preaching and exchanged it for entertainment. Now, that is a travesty in itself because we uh, see many pastors, even in the Baptist world, the Presbyterian world, the Methodist world, any denomination you can think of, we see pastors being cool, hip, and trendy, and we see worship gatherings look more entertaining than just gathering around an open Bible and letting God say what he says through his word. And, uh, and instead, we have made it an entertainment-driven experience for the consumer instead of making an expositional journey through the Scripture for the believer in the seats. He also said we've uh, traded preaching for a performance. Many of these preachers that we see out there, go look at Church by the Glades. I would say not to listen to the theology, but go look at the theatrics and the, and the performance that they put on and just see what it looks like. I mean, I watched an, a, a video clip of that pastor jumping up and down on a huge couch that they built. There was a trampoline in it, obviously, but he was jumping up on the couch while he started his message, and that is a performance that needs to be taken out. I've seen other guys sit in kayaks on the stage. I've seen other guys hold baby lambs on the stage. I've seen props, and I've seen, uh, it looks like we're going to a passion play to the lights and the stage designs and the couches and all of these things on the stage that we've created a performance instead of letting the pastor step up and preach the word of God. We've traded congregational singing for concerts. We want the biggest, best, brightest fog machine, the lights, all these things. We want to make sure our production is on point. And listen, I think that we should do everything seeking excellence. Are we going to achieve excellence in all things? No. But when we set out to sing with our congregations, we should sing with excellence because that's who God is. He's perfect. He's worthy of our worship. But there's a difference in striving for excellence and striving for a concert type atmosphere, striving for a performance, striving for entertainment. There is so much to be said about that. And many people are going to push back. Many people will push back and say, well, God is saving many people out of these entertainment-driven, uh, performance-based concerts with very little theology in it and very little doctrine, and he's saving people. And I would push back again and say, is he? Because we don't know who is being saved if the true gospel of Jesus Christ is not being preached. Yes, we can bring lost people into our churches all we want to, but it's the word of God that is going to save someone. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the Bible says. So we have got to move away from this entertainment-driven church and start focusing on what matters the most, and that is the Bible. The Bible, the, the sola scriptura, the, 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 the Bible should be what we base our worship gathering on from the singing to the preaching to everything in between. Everything we do in our worship gathering should be a result of us reading and studying the scriptures. Dr. Lawson also said that we've traded doctrine for drama. We've, we've taken words like doctrine and theology and made them bad words in the American church. And they, we've made them stuffy and boring, and nobody wants to uh, talk about doctrine, and nobody wants to talk about theology because those are antiquated words that were for our forefathers and not for us today. We need to reform the church and make doctrine and theology great again in our churches. That is what matters. Doctrine is the deep study of Scripture. Theology is your view of God, the study of God. We need these things in the churches. They are not bad words. They're not stuffy words. They're not boring words. We need doctrine, but sadly, we've traded them for drama. We see drama teams up on the stages instead of preaching true doctrine of Jesus and true doctrines of the Bible. We see theology and we've traded theology in in many churches for theatrics. I've seen so many things in churches that look more like theaters and performance-driven and performance-based that it makes me sick. That we need to reform the church and we always need to be reforming to make sure we never stray from the Word of God. And uh, many churches have strayed from the Word of God. And the thing is, if you're in my city... You can walk out of your front door and you can drive less than two miles and probably run right into the front door of a church, any denomination. I, we live in the city of churches, banks, and food. If you want any kind of church to go to, it's here. They're on every corner, two or three on every corner sometimes. If you want to bank, there are tons of banks around this place. If you want to eat good food, there's tons of places to eat good food here in Jonesboro, Arkansas. But let me tell you, there are many churches that are just doing church, and they're going through the motions, and they're trading uh, true, sound, biblical doctrine for entertainment and performances and concerts and dramas and theatrics. Let's bring it back to congregational singing. When's the last time you heard your congregation at your church sing loud the deep truths of Scripture? Now, I'm not saying that we have to go sing Amazing Grace and Just As I Am every Sunday morning. There are many modern worship songs that are out there right now that we could be blasting together as a congregation, but we can't sing as a congregation because the stage lights have been turned on, the house lights have been turned off, uh, we they, the, the speakers are so loud we can't hear each other sing. And the Bible, in my opinion, calls us in uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 16, calls us to sing with one another, to be able to hear with each other singing, to be able to encourage one another with our singing. It might not sound good to you. The person next to you may be awful at singing. But when you listen to the congregation sing as a whole, it is beautiful. But we can't sing congregationally anymore because there are too many productions going on, and it's more like a concert instead of a congregational gathering where we sing to the Lord together. When's the last time you heard deep doctrinal truths from the Word of God, not just one Sunday out of the year, but every single Sunday the Bible is being taught, the whole counsel of God is being preached, 
doctrine is being laid out in front of you. When is the time? When is the last time you could say you went consecutive Sundays in a row hearing deep doctrine? Think about that. Ask yourself that. When is the last time that theology was important to your church? When is the last time you heard your pastor talk about theology and doctrine? When is the last time you've heard any leadership in your church say those words? These are things we all have to think through because they matter. When is the last time you heard your pastor preach, not with passion, I mean, we can all preach with passion, but without fear, with all boldness, preaching deep, hard truths that could eventually split a church. And yeah, doctrine can split a church. We already talked about it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce. It will separate. And sometimes people can't deal with it and they leave. When is the last time your pastor said, if, if we have to meet in a field, we'll do it? If we have to meet with 20 of us in a shed, we'll do it. Because we're going to stand firm on the Word of God. We're going to teach biblical truth. Now, we don't want to teach biblical truth and with the sole idea, well, I'm going to run everybody off and I hope it divides everybody. We don't have that attitude. We should not. But we should be bold enough to say, even if it splits this church, I'm going to be faithful to the Word of God of God and preach it expositionally. I'm going to expound on what God has said, not what I have said. These are things that we must wrestle with because we have taken church to a whole new level. And again, as I said, we have to qualify church now with biblical. So back to the post I posted yesterday. We drive 45 minutes for all sorts of things. We drive 45 minutes to go to a movie. We drive 45 minutes to go to a ball game or longer. We will go drive all over this place, all over God's green earth for anything and everything, as long as it, it benefits us, it helps us, it's something for us or our kids, we'll do it. But when it comes to driving 45 minutes to a biblical church, we won't do it. Not many people are going to because it is, it, it, it's tough to get out of bed on Sunday mornings a little earlier to make a trip 45 minutes away. I, I appreciate what Dr. Lawson said. I, I've heard Spurgeon say something similar. Paul Washer has said something similar. Sometimes you have to drive to get to a biblical church, one that cares deeply about the Lord, that cares deeply about the Scriptures, that cares deeply about all things theology and doctrine, that want to bring back congregational singing, that want to turn the lights back on during our time of singing together that want to expound on the Word of God, that don't want any more performances. Just lay open the Word and teach me the Word. I can't help but think of all the people in China right now who are losing their lives because they are gathering secretly just to hear the Word of God be preached. Many of you have probably seen videos of people in China receiving Bibles, and they're, man, they, they're crying because they have the Word of God in their hand. Things, uh, it's just amazing that they have it. I just can't help but think that the American church has gotten it so wrong. And I'm not saying that we have it all figured out at our church. I'm not saying that we have it all just right because there's things that we can always improve on. There's things that we can always change. There's things that we can tweak. But I can tell you this, our church strives to be biblical in everything that we do. We have our lights up in worship time through singing. We, we have the, the speakers turned down lower. We've done things to make the room, uh, our band, quieter so we can hear each other singing. And it's a beautiful thing to hear our congregation sing back deep truths of God through song. We've put things in place like a liturgy 
We have a call to worship. We have prayers of confession and assurance and prayers of adoration, prayers of illumination. We have a pastoral prayer. We have a benediction, and we have a a sermon that is expositionally brought week after week, no matter who stands and fills that pulpit. Again, we don't have it all figured out, but we are striving to do everything biblical. And I can tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Remaining faithful to the Bible has been one of the most difficult things I've ever gone through in my life. Our church has gone from almost 400 people saying yes to me when I was voted in to be the pastor at the church I am now to eventually to where we got down to about 50 or 60 people. And some of y'all may say 50 or 60 people is a lot. Yes, but when you think 400 to 60, that is a big drop. It's like taking your 60 and going to five. And just seeing God, wondering what God is doing, wondering what's going to happen next, but remaining faithful no matter what. Again, I told you last episode that I'll share my story one day. It's, It's definitely the exception and not the rule. But our church went from ups, downs, ups, downs, ups, downs, to where we have tried to transition things biblically. And now God is blessing our church, and we cannot be more pleased to give God all the glory because it is him who is growing our church, who is doing things in our church. And I'm not simply making a a, a shameful plug for our church because many of you listening don't even know where Arkansas is probably. (laughs) Uh, That's a joke. Uh, But many of you listening are not going to come to our church. There are some people in our area that's going to hear this and and might be looking for a biblical church to go to. And, And not a shameful plug, but hey, we're trying over at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro. So what are you willing to drive for? Think about those things, and then ask yourself, are you willing to drive to a biblical, God-honoring, Christ-exalting church? Are you willing to make that drive every Sunday? I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. And I, I know folks that have come to our church that have driven 45 minutes or, or even more, even an hour. They've come to our church and uh, have, have said, hey, we're going to try this, this local church closer to our home, and that's great. If you can find a biblical church that's within 45 minutes of your home, do that. But I want to encourage you, make sure they are biblical. Make sure they preach the word. Make sure they don't concern themselves with performances and, and, and programs. But make sure their, their center, their base, their foundation is the word of God. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. Nothing else. That should be the base of every church. Unfortunately, it's not, which is the reason we have a qualifier of biblical church instead of just church. So I'm curious. Uh, I'd like to know as we wind down this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast, I'm curious to, uh, to know if any of you listening drive a certain distance. I know one of, uh, one of the brothers on my Facebook page, he says he drives 35 minutes plus, he, plus or minus he and his family, and they're glad to do it. I know that my wife and I growing up, growing up, <laughs> My wife and I, when we were married, we drove 30 minutes one way all the time because we wanted to be a part of a biblical church, and that church is still a biblical God-honoring church with Brother Scott Witcher pastoring that church faithfully. And we would drive it today still if God didn't have us here in northeast Arkansas during this season of our life. So where, how far do you drive to your church? Answer me that. Maybe you can email it to the Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com. Maybe if you saw this on Facebook, maybe you can go on the Doctrine Matters Podcast Facebook page and, and comment under the episode link and just say, hey, I drive this far with my family. Or, or if you're 
not married, I drive this far or however far you drive to attend your local church. But I want you more than anything to think through your church. Do you go to it because that's the place to be on Sunday? That's where everybody is. That's where all your friends are. That's where all your family is. Do you go to it because it's cool? Do you go to it because it's hip? Do you go to it because of the the concert atmosphere, the performance-driven atmosphere? Do you go to it because you can just fit in? Or do you go to your church because it is biblical, God-honoring, and Christ-exalting? That's the word. That's the, that's the question you have to wrestle with. Is it solely based on the word of God, everything your church does? Those are the questions you have to wrestle with, ladies and gentlemen. I pray you do it. Drop me a comment. Send me an email. Let us know if you're listening. Let us know what you think of the place of the podcast. You may hear that I'm getting a phone call right here at the end of uh, this episode. So with that, we will see you next time. Until then, have a blessed week, and uh, we'll see you soon.